With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yeah, it's a very good afternoon, everyone. Thanks, Hayes. Thanks, Marto. They've left the building uh, with a run home back tomorrow between 3 and 5. Peter Vlahos with you. For the next hour, we have got plenty to get through between now and 6. A heap of special guests. We will focus on the East Perth Football Club who bowed out of the Waffle Finals race yesterday. I went down to the game. The Blue and Black Army were out in force. I shouldn't blame anybody, but they went with four umpires yesterday. And from my observation, it was utter confusion. Utter confusion yesterday. Why they didn't stick with the three and decide to go with four umpires in the first week of the finals, I don't know why. I was tempted to get Demar Getz on the show tonight, but I thought, no, I'm not going to focus on the umpires. All I'm going to say is give my opinion on the result, and Claremont in the end made the most of their opportunities and won. But honestly, some of the decisions defied logic yesterday. And I just reckon there was confusion amongst the umpires. I'll leave it at that. Congratulations to Claremont. Wish them the best of luck in their first semi against Subiaco. Of course, the second semi will be on Saturday between East Fremantle and Peel. And congratulations to Peel on getting through to the double chance offing this weekend. And we'll preview those two semifinals a bit later on in the program. So that's one thing that I'd like to focus on. And the other big stories that are going around for the good oil for Cobram Estate, premium Australian extra virgin olive oil. And thanks to Cobram Estate, because they are part sponsors of Sports Day WA, took actually a bottle home at the weekend. Very good olive oil. And that is coming from a man that swears by the Mediterranean diet, which is very heavily invested on olive oil. You go to Greece and there's olive trees everywhere. So when you go to that part of the world, the Mediterranean part of the world, it is, of course, all about olive oil. And Cobram, you've got a very good olive oil. So well done. And thanks for joining us on Sports Day WA. Just clip that up, Jimmy, and send it to them. They'll be pretty happy with that. Uh, East Fremantle are being investigated, which is bizarre. And they've confirmed it's undergoing an audit of its total player payments for the 2022 season. And during the audit process, some administrative errors were identified and the club is working through those with the WA Footy Commission as the process is ongoing. Uh, they cannot make any comment at this time, even though Mark Stewart, the president of the East Romano Football Club, did speak to Mark Duffield uh, this morning. So we'll feature a bit of that in the top five at five, which comes up in just a moment. And the other one, 
is the civil war that's happening in tennis in Western Australia. As we know, Brett Patton, the Tennis West CEO, who, by the way, was awarded the top sports administrator at the recent Sports West Awards, was dismissed by the Tennis West board. So now what appears to be happening here is all the clubs that are members of Tennis West have been given a letter coming from Royal Kings Park Tennis Club, a member by the name of Ted Reese has penned an email to every single tennis club in Western Australia trying to now overthrow the president and others on the board of Tennis West. They've called a special general meeting to consider the resolutions for the replacement of the current president and vice president of Tennis West, plus of other couple of members. So this special general meeting to change the board leadership at the organisation is happening during the course of the week. So as I said, a real tennis civil war is happening at the moment. But the other thing that's interesting is that Tennis Australia, which is the overall governing body of the sport here in Western Australia, has come out in support of the removal of the CEO. So uh, we'll have to see what plays out there. Be interesting to see what happens with this meeting. And just speaking of Tennis Australia, it says it does not support the reinstatement of the former CEO, nor would they support him returning as the United Cup general manager. Together with Tennis West, we are committed to finding a replacement for the Tennis West CEO role. As I said, it is an absolute bloodbath at the moment when it comes to local tennis. All right, that is the major new headlines for mine. Thanks to Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested and first cold-pressed in northern Victoria. All right, Asher and Jimmy are ready. We're about to roll the top five at five. There's a Novus Autoglass near you, 13 22, 34. Let's roll the top five. Number five. You know, when you get in a game like this and there's a lot of pressure, who you are comes out and we're uh, a step off it right now. It starts now preparation for the Olympics. But this, uh, you know, learned a lot. And um, I think we're in the process of change in style of play, both offensively and defensively. And... Uh, I'm still, I'm, 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 we're all disappointed, but I'm excited about where this thing can go and uh, definitely a clearer picture after playing this tournament. Yeah, well, he's a wound up, fired up Brian Gorgian, but that was a pretty ordinary performance by the Boomers at the uh, World Cup. For mine, uh, getting beaten by 11 points by Slovenia, they looked at Josh Giddy certainly contributed, but apart from that, they just seemed flat. And the whole tournament to me, is a bit lacklustre at the moment. But anyway, that is the World Cup. And as Mardo testifies, the pinnacle of the sport is at the Olympics. And Australia are there in 2024 in Paris. And let's hope they put on a better showing. Number four. I thought they were just outstanding. You know, they kept their heads, just played our football, really committed to to working hard and we slowly got to grips with the game and once we got a hold of it I just thought we were dominant all the way through and uh, it's a credit to them. 
Yeah, good performance by Tottenham Hotspur. We're following them closely here in Australia because, of course, the Aussie Ange Postacoglu is in charge. They're yet to lose a Premier League game in four and are two points behind Manchester City, who have got an unblemished record. Spurs have won three and drawn one so far. And on the weekend, away to Burnley, they won by five goals to two. Number three. Had a look at uh, West Coast Best and Ferris, which happened over the weekend. It is alarming. So some of the results in this, and you can deep dive it any way that you like, but Tim Kelly won it and he was deserving to win it. Terrific season. Well done to Tim. And Oscar Allen, the other standout for what he did, All-Australian squad, 53 goals in that side. After that, is it about an uglier best and fairest results as you're going to see? So I'll give you an example of that. Shannon Hearn finished fifth. He's now retired. Mm -hmm. He played 13 games. That must be the softest top five finish to a best and fairest ever. Andrew Gaff who probably shouldn't be playing AFL football at all, with all due respect, despite the fact he's been an excellent player. But the time is up for Andrew, finished seventh in their best and fairest. Alex Witherden probably wouldn't be on a list of most clubs. Once again, with all due respect, finished eighth in their best and fairest. So that look, they've gone with their coach again, and, and rightly or wrongly, you can you can have your debate on that. But... The alarming trend is their playing list and what they don't have. Because the young ones coming in aren't going to help. It's the senior players, this top 10 of the best and fairest, that's going to drive the improvement for this group. So perhaps it's it's even worse than we think at the Eagles. Well, if that's a question without notice, I've got no answers is for Is that you, the I? worst top 10 Ooh. of a best and fairest you've ever seen is a question without notice for you? Well, you'd have to go back to... You know, some of the worst sort of two, three-year periods, maybe the, the Giants. Brisbane Bears when they first came out, the Giants, maybe Fitzroy way back when. What did their, what did their top ten look like? I but don't know, Bucks, that's but Jaden Hunt finished not, fourth. Not great. No, not great. There you go. He's come in for a lot of stick from the West Coast Eagles fans. By the way, congratulations to Tim Kelly taking on the John Worsfold medal on Saturday night. Richly deserved. But uh, certainly Kane Corns, when he looked at the top 10, uh, was flabbergasted. And even Nathan Buckley had his say there. You can give us your thoughts. I know something people already have on the programs earlier. The temperate bedshed text machine is there for you. 0487 736 736. Number two. This, this is, yeah, this was an administrative error. I, I can categorically say that there, there is no intent or desire to get a, a competitive advantage. Obviously, yeah, we, we take responsibility, absolutely. Yeah, Steve Shamanel's proud in regards to our culture and how we, the governance of what we do. As I said, this, this is an error. Uh, there was never any attempt to do anything other than to do the right thing. We'll own that, adjust our processes, look at what we've got to do and, and move forward. Sarah Fremantle penalised this year, eight points. I'm just wondering what each Fremantle's going to do. Again, administrative error, but somebody has got to cop it. And I'm just wondering whether there may be a casualty or two in relation to the administration of the East Fremantle Football Club. And even though it's it's happened and they've pleaded uh, guilty to maybe making some mistakes... It won't happen. That is the sanctions, whatever they may be, by the West Australian Footy Commission, won't happen until after the season is over, even though they've got evidence now. Uh, I don't exactly get it. Is that because they don't want impact on East Romano as they head towards possibly a grand final decider? We'll have to wait and see. But it looks like, because the South Romano situation was different. It happened after the season was over. That's when they found out about it. But here we are with East Fremantle. It's actually in season. 
but they're just delaying it. I know the commission is continually saying that they're still investigating. Well, Mark Stewart, the East Rio president, has just confirmed that they have made some mistakes in their accountability. Uh, that was number two. Number one. You and us and 100,000 people at the Toyota AFL 2023 Grand Final. You can be there or you can be sorry. There they are. They were big in the 70s, but the 70s was 50 years ago. It's Kiss. I look at Jimmy. I look at Asher. They wouldn't even know who Kiss are. I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering whether sometimes it's better not to have any entertainment that doesn't resonate with everybody. Like if you've got an Australian artist, it does resonate with everybody. You know what I would have done? I wouldn't have worried about Kiss. I wouldn't have worried. I would have brought someone like Paul Kelly back, who has been at the AFL Grand Final, has been a hit. The younger generation still know a lot of his songs, even though he was primarily in the 80s. They still know his songs. He's an Australian through and through. Then bringing somebody like Kiss, it's daytime. They have fireworks. They have makeup. I'm not sure it's going to work. We had that terrible situation with Meatloaf all those years ago. I'm I'm not saying it's going to be another Meatloaf. Kiss will be good with Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. I grew up as a young boy in the Kiss era, but I'm not sure in 2023 it's actually going to work. It may. I might be wrong. But there'll be a huge percentage of that population that would have heard of them, maybe know a song or two, but don't know too much about them. Looking at the blank faces in my producer's area, I reckon uh, I've got it right. But anyway, well done, Kiss. <laughs> Worst kept secret when it came to the AFL entertainment after Crowded House and Kylie said, no, I can't do it. I think the AFL have gone, we need somebody, we'll just get Kiss. Uh, that's the top five at five. All thanks to Nova's Auto Glass. Don't let your old windscreen end up as landfill. Called Nova's Auto Glass 13. 2234. Give us your thoughts on that. Sometimes just don't worry about entertainment. Package everything else footy about it. Maybe give more time to the retiring champions. Maybe do some other things. Um, but anyway, we'll see how it all works out and what promises to be another big day of Australian sport, the AFL Grand Final. Speaking about Grand Finals, there was a big one in the country, uh, Northampton. I thought we have to speak to their coach, uh, Grady Tomelty. He's going to join us. So how did Josh Kennedy go? How did Harry Taylor go? I believe Harry had a bit of a problem with his car. We'll find out all about that because they're celebrating right right now. Let's hope Grady's okay. And then we'll have a chat to Ross McQueen as well, the coach of the East Perth Football Club, who bowed out yesterday in the elimination final. That's coming up next here on Sports Day WA. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't change me Don't change me Yes, welcome to Sports Day WA as we look back at the season for East Perth and joining us 
is their coach, uh, a man who's done great jobs with them, actually, uh, during the course of this season uh, in his first year as coach of the Royals in Ross McQueen. Ross, uh, thanks for joining us on Sports Day WA. Hey, thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me. Pretty uh, probably the last time for the year, but that's what it is. Yeah, commiserations about yesterday. There were opportunities to maybe grab it, but it unfortunately didn't fall your way. How did you surmise the elimination final from an East Perth perspective? Um, yeah, a tough game. You know, we obviously thought both teams would be it would be a pretty contested game of football. The conditions didn't help in that regard. It was very windy. Due to rain, but that didn't have an impact. I didn't think. Uh, from our point of view, I thought our Contest was good. Our effort was good. Was good. Maybe we overdid it. I'm not quite sure. Um, obviously, we uh, put ourselves in a position over the course of the year to be, you know, have a real crack at this, and yeah, we just weren't good enough on the day. Well, about a month or so ago, you're sitting top of the WAFL ladder. In the end, you found yourself because of percentage in you know, a elimination final, and now, as we know, you only played the one final. Did you feel your form tailed off a bit leading into the finals campaign? Possibly, um, you know, we, we, we played some really, really good sides in that last month and that gives us a good guide of where you're at. So we played Subiaco, I think was the first one, and they beat us pretty comfortably. But after that, played Eastern Mount at the Wacker and lost by 10 or 12 points, played West Perth at Up and again, lost by about the same margin on the weekend, lost by the same margin against Claremont. So we played three teams or four teams there in the top six of the competition. So we were right up there there thereabouts to show you when uh, there's not much between it and you have to take your chances when you get them. So saying that, the season's over. What were the advantages uh, and the, the positives that come out of it? And what are the areas possibly you need to look at for 2024? Uh, well, positives, obviously, we're back and playing finals again and being relevant. That's great for us, for us as a club and you know, our supporters can hopefully uh, enjoy a little bit of that, what, that, what that meant. Um, so that's a real plus. We played some good football. We we looked to score. Look, I'm not going to shy away from. We want to be an attacking uh, football team and play a good brand of football that scores. But we also defensively uh, want to be really sound. And for big chunks of the season, we were. I think that middle part of the year when we won eight in a row, I think offensively and defensively, we were probably the best team in the competition. The last month or so, we probably. Well, statistics will show you that we we considered a bit more than we wanted and maybe there was a bit of fatigue. I'm not sure. So that might be a growth area next year, just another pre-season with some of these young boys, a bit more bringing together the group that we've currently got. Um, so we're optimistic moving forward, but there's no guarantees in football, Peter. So this is an opportunity missed, maybe. What do you need to be a better team next year? What sort of player will you be looking out for during the off-season? Um, well, Warren and I will go through that um, in the next couple of weeks. But probably, like all teams, we're like another guy who's six foot five. You can mark the ball, play a bit of rock, kick goals, play at both ends of the ground. But um, there's not too many of those that aren't playing on the AFL list, Peter. So we'll probably look for just a bit more support for our young blokes in that tall capacity. Like Jed Edwards, I think, did a great job covering for Jonesy, but there's a bit more depth there. We have a couple of young guys coming through the Colts, so we'll have to try and fast-track them. Um, and maybe just a little bit more... Uh, outside run and carry, a bit more speed, uh, just to help help with, help with our ball movement. So we won't go and try and get just any any bloke. We'll try and get a couple, one or two guys that we think can really add to our squad and maybe you know like in that key position and a little bit of outside run. Yeah, Captain Hamish Brayshaw has signed for another couple of years. Mitch Croden, of course, is there for at least another couple of years. Are you likely to have any retirements from the squad? 
I don't think so. Um, no one's voiced that just yet, but there'll be some guys who at the end of the year have gone, uh, and it might be just through they've been at the club for a number of years. They might be in there six, seven, eight years, and and made a huge commitment for their football, and they've played 40, 50 games, and probably think, you know, is this just what I need for another year? But at the moment, none of the guys have indicated to me that they were uh, looking to. Uh, hang up the boots. Angus Scott, these guys, Nick Robinson, I think, is keen to go again. Uh, Brad Fulgrave, who came back in yesterday. So these guys um, all keen to go. Scotty Jones pushed himself really hard. And he, unfortunately for Scott, where our season finished a week or so too early, he, he would have been a good chance to play another week or two. So I think they're all keen to come back next year. Good stuff, Ross. Uh, and your thoughts from your point of view, first season as a league coach, uh, how did you find the experience? I uh, really enjoyed it. Loved it, actually. You know, it was great to be working out with our bunch of boys in our club. We feel as though we're just building on what's been gone in the last three or four years by Jeremy and the club. Uh, we just added a little bit of our own. Um, so for, for myself personally, I really enjoyed working with the, with the board and with the boys and, and my coaching groups and support groups. And, um, you know, it's it's been enjoyable and hopefully learn a little bit about just the season, how we can tweak things, get a little bit better, and you know, just moving forward, how we can just bring that group a little bit closer and continue to support each other through it. So I've, it's been a great experience for me, and um, hopefully our players and supporters have enjoyed it. Yeah, we certainly enjoyed it yesterday. We say we because I was one of the uh, the people there wearing the black and blue. The East Perth faithful were certainly out in numbers. It was just a sea of black and blue at Leadville Oval yesterday. Yeah, unfortunately, the result didn't go their way, but they'll be back and heartened by what they've experienced this season into 2024. Thanks, Ross, for your time. Uh, I appreciate your time during the course of the season, and we'll keep in touch even during the off-season. Thanks for your time. Appreciate that, Pete. Take care. Yeah, good fellow. Ross McLean joining us. Uh, and you can join us on the Temper of Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. If you're a Royals uh, supporter, what do you think of yesterday? I know what uh, will be happening on the Temper of Bedshed text machine uh, after even the comments are made at the top of the program. But give us your thoughts on uh, how you think East Perth went this year. We're here for the all-electric uh, Kia EV6 GT Supercar and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. Now, they're still celebrating up there in Northampton. Uh, Grady Tomelty is the coach of the Northampton Rams, who won the premiership in what was a drama-filled day on Saturday. And uh, Grady now joins us on the program. Thanks for your time, Grady. Uh, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. How's the premiership coach of the great Northern Football League feeling today, apart from maybe a fraction dusty? Uh, no, we're all still together celebrating. Um, a few of the boys have said, oh, what a good way to spend our Sunday. And we've had a let them know it's actually Monday. So celebration's been great. <laughs> uh, the first premiership for the Rams since 2004. You've had to wait a while. Yeah, it's been awesome. Carl Cripps, one of our senior players, actually showed us some photos. And there's a bunch of us that were five, six years old. And we're so young, so skinny, so tiny. But to, to see those photos and reminisce on the last time they've done it just means so much more that... We've been around forever and, and we've had some, some tough times, but to band together and do it, just, yeah, it's awesome. What does it mean for the town? Oh, it's huge. Um, small small town, but biggest hearts in the world. We've, we've got our AFL Rams guys that are always backing us in and 
You look at those statues down the main street and you think, geez, if they didn't go on to bigger and better things, how good would a footy club be? Results-wise, but then have Harry and Josh come back and help us out. It just means so much more. We'll get back to uh, Harry and Josh in a moment, but it was a crazy grand final. At one stage, uh, many thought railways had won when the full-time siren sounded uh, by one point, but then the goal umpires checked their cards and found out that the scoreboard was wrong. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So Harry went straight to the goal umpire and obviously railways are celebrating. And, yeah, as soon as I saw the goal umpires coming across, I knew I checked with my team manager and he said, yep, it's um, it's a draw. And speaking to people after the game, they said they all knew. And I was pretty angry because I said, any danger of telling us coaches? Because, yeah, we were pretty heartbroken. But um, we clicked back into gear. And I just feel for railways, obviously, they had the, the ecstasy of winning a grand final and to be told that, hang on, it's wrong. But... Yeah, people made mistakes and, and nothing against the person on the scoreboard. It's it's one of the best grand finals in history, so Railways Footy Club should be proud as well. It must have been just total confusion after the game. People running left, right and centre trying to clarify that this was an incorrect score on the scoreboard because, after all, it wasn't a home and away game. It was an actual grand final determined by one point. Yeah, yeah. We, like I said, we were just as confused as anyone else. Um, railways were celebrating. We were heartbroken, but... Harry Taylor's a smart man and he knew the rules and we banded together pretty quick and he explained to our guys that, look, we've got 10 more minutes of footy, this is how it goes. And, yeah, it's, it's just heartbreaking for railways, but other end of the stick, we're, we're so happy and, yeah, couldn't have asked for any more. Tell us about how the 10 minutes went. In the end, you won by how much? Uh, we won by three goals. So we were pretty clear in our message and said, look, we've, we've lost once. We, we know what it feels like, but... We've got 10 more minutes of footy. Let's just attack, attack and attack because in those situations, you score a goal, the other team has to score two goals to win. So we we really want to play aggressive footy and score quick. And, yeah, we managed to kick two goals in the first five minutes and then we didn't want to take our foot off and try and slow it down. We knew that every goal was worth its weight in currency. So we just wanted to score and score quick. Saying that, uh, it was a huge letdown for railways. Do you think that impacted the, on them going into extra time? Yeah, definitely. Like, the emotions that you get of winning or losing a grand final would have been massive. And, and they've they've obviously celebrated and thought, geez, we've done this. And, and yeah, to, to be able to put put yourself back into gear to play an extra 10 minutes of footy after thinking that you've done it, it's, yeah, it's truly heartbreaking for them and they just feel for them. And but as a footy club, they should be proud of what they did because one of the best games I've ever been involved with. Well, it was a boyhood truce, wasn't it, when they went on their different paths to AFL clubs, Harry Taylor to Geelong and, of course, Josh Kennedy Carlton and then the West Coast, that they'd like to come back and play for the Rams one day together. And they did that on grand final day. What was it like having them involved? Um, yeah, so they've been involved. Harry's obviously come back for two or three years now and JK's always shown his face around the club and, and people are saying that it's, we've got these guys in to win a grand final, but... What they've given back to the footy club and the community over their whole whole career, there was never any doubt that we'd welcome them back in straight away. Um, it's not every day you get people of their calibre that, that want to play footy for, for a small footy club. So, yeah, everyone knows them personally. It's, it's not like these big superstars coming in and, and just playing footy. It's, it's actual mates and family and friends. So, yeah, they've, they've just really embraced what we've built as a footy club and, and added to it so much more. So, Tom, how did they go on, on the big day? Uh, well, Josh was a bit slow at times, but he um, he threw his frame around. He was a big body, and then same as Harry. It's it's just to have that experience and that knowledge and that mouth. And when things aren't going your way, and that momentum momentum shifts, it, you get these guys that come in and say, "Look, this is what we need to do," and, and everyone listens. And yeah, the guidance they showed the young fellas across the club has just been second to none. 
Did Josh kick any? I uh, kicked two poked, uh, two goals from the goal line, so he um, <laughs> he toe poked them across. But no, he finished with three, and I don't think Harry kicked one. Uh, and uh, you, as the coach, uh, how do you address and say, Josh, you need to play this way, or Harry, you need to play this way, or do you just back out knowing that they know exactly what their role is? Uh, I don't tell them directly. I send my runner out so they can get that <laughs> message. But no, no, they're they wanted to their feedback to me as a coach, and I lean on them a lot to get to get feedback on how we want to go as a team. And they understand that it's a um, it's a country footy league. But we don't expect people to to put everything first. Our, our rule at the footy club as coaches is family work footy. You, you deal with your family, you deal with work, and then you come to footy because a happy footballer is a good footballer. And they've really driven that message as well that they're here to, to win with the club and. I don't expect people to sacrifice everything, but you make those little sacrifices and you, and you get the ultimate success. Finally, what happened to Harry's car? <laughs> yeah, so we um, we had a team meeting at about 4.30 on Saturday or Sunday morning. I said, boys, look, Harry's gone home. His car's still here. We, uh, we're we going to take his wheels off, but we need JK to give us the all clear. So <laughs> after some brief discussions, we all said, yep, we're doing it. So we, um, we ripped his tyres off put them sideways and drop the car back down. But funny thing was is that we saw some footage of him doing a parade up the main street on Sunday morning, showing his medal, hanging on his statue, and then he comes up to the footy club to see that we've taken his wheels off. So <laughs> what a way to humble him. But, yeah, one of the, one of the classic stories. He's actually turned up to Mad Monday wearing a... Uh, a jumpsuit was still over his face and a jack with a wheel on it. So oh, beautiful. He finds the funny side. Beautiful. Good on you, Grady. Congratulations on being a premiership coach for Northampton, the 2023 version after the last one was back in 2004. Going back in history, do you know how many premierships Northampton have won in the journey? Uh, I think that was our seventh, maybe. I'm not too sure, but... Saturday night, we had the 2004 guys there. There was guys from the 77, 78, 79 grand finals there. So, yeah, we don't really count those things because everyone knows each other, everyone loves each other. But to have people that have, have won a grand final there on Saturday night celebrating was just, yeah, it's probably the best bit about it. Good on you, mate. Congratulations. Thanks for joining us. No, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, great effort. Good on you, Grady. Go back to it. I hope the beer hasn't gone warm because you were chatting to me. All right, uh, let's continue now. Uh, sports update for Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand. A lot of talk regarding whether uh, Nick Dacos will be available to play for Collingwood on Thursday. He's been ruled out, but he has been training. Uh, this is what his brother had to say on his younger brother. I think he was just meant to be jogging, but he picked up to a little sprint. Um, it's, also, it's so good for him just to, to be out back with the group. Obviously, it's pretty tough being injured um, and you don't feel part of it. But, um, you know, we, we appreciate his support throughout the time and we can't wait to have him back. Well, Geelong have made three more list changes after their nightmare AFL season came to an end last week in what is expected to be a busy off-season. Father and son duo Sam Simpson and Oscar Riccardi have both been delisted along with uh, Cooper White. Two-time Geelong Premiership coach Mark Bomber-Thompson will present the Jock McHale medal at the AFL Grand Final, uh, winning coach at the end of the month. Sydney Swans Premiership hero Josh Kennedy has been unveiled as the Premiership Cup ambassador. And 2005 North Smith medalist, former West Coast Eagles captain Chris Judd will present this year's medal following the AFL's recent tradition of having past winners do the honour chronologically in order from the date of their own triumph. Uh, there you go. And as uh, we've just spoken to the Northampton Rams winning the Premiership, I'm going to try and get to... 
maybe Brett Peak tomorrow because after winning just two matches in 12 years and being dubbed Australia's worst footy team, this country football club has won its first ever league premiership grand final. We're talking about the Albany Sharks. They've only won uh, two solitary games between 2008 and 2021. They beat uh, uh, Railways 9-12 to 7-6. So we may have a chat to Brett on the program tomorrow. And at the same time, I uh, talked to him about uh, the St Kilda finals campaign, which starts at the weekend. Just before uh, we take a break, hi, Pete. I totally agree with you about the umpiring decisions in the Royals-Claremont game and having four umpires for the finals. Peter, I didn't have Shannon Hearn in my top five. I had the first three right. Then I had Bailey Williams in fourth, Jaden Hunt in fifth uh, in relation to the Eagles' fairest and best. Good on you, Lisa. Thanks for your text. We're going to take a break. On the other side of the break, a very special guest. Joining us now here on Sports Day WA is a man that's certainly going places. There's no question about that. He burst onto the scene in the UFC. He was the 2022 UFC Rookie of the Year. He's got a 5-0 record in the UFC and four first-round wins. And he's the most successful UFC fighter to ever come out of Perth. And he's got something pretty exciting to tell us, and we'll save that a bit later on. That may certainly interest a lot of people listening in here this evening. Jack Della Maddalena, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Peter. Yeah, appreciate the kind words. Yeah, I believe that this Sunday, a special day for you. You turn the old age of 27, mate. Yeah, that's it. This Sunday, 27. Gee whiz. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> and I believe, of <laughs> course, this Sunday, it's the same day as UFC 2, I think, at 93 in Sydney. You must be disappointed you're not on the card. Yeah, it would have been, obviously, ideal to fight in Sydney, being so close to home. Just couldn't get the, the right opponent out. So, unfortunately, I have to make the, the big trip back to Vegas. But I think it will all be worthwhile in the end. Yeah, you've got that massive fight coming up in two weeks' time, as you mentioned, in Vegas against a very tough opponent in Kevin Holland. Tell us more about that and how you're preparing. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough matchup. I think it's definitely the, the toughest fight I've had so far. So, yeah, just getting in the zone, training hard. is a sort of rangy, tall striker. So just been working with some tall strikers, preparing myself for... Yeah, battle in the octagon. What's interesting, I've been told that Holland has uh, a bit of a habit to talk to his opponents during the fight. Are you expecting him to maybe do that same thing face-to-face when you're in the octagon? Yeah, I think so. He's, you know, his name is, or his nickname is Big Mouth, so he does, he does talk a lot during the fight. But yeah, it's, I definitely do expect him to do that, but... Yeah, I'll leave the. I'll let him do the talking. I'll be in there yeah. fighting and getting after him. Jack, you're currently ranked 14 in the welterweight division, and Kevin Holland is ranked 13, just one above you. What would it mean to have a win over Kevin? Yeah, it would be awesome to get the win. It would be. It's a. It's a good fighter, good challenge. He's a big name in the sport, so. Yeah, but the idea is to keep getting the wins, keep climbing the ranks and get close to the number one spot. You've had an interesting build-up on your last fight. Originally, you were on UFC 290 against Sean Brady. He pulled out with a mystery in illness and injury. And then the replacement fighter, Josiah Harrell, also pulled out the day before the event on July the 7th. Uh, 
it must have been very frustrating for you. Yeah, it's pretty frustrating, you know, to have the initial guy pull out, Sean Brady. It was a that would have been a tough matchup. He was ranked inside the top ten, so I was preparing for that sort of fight. And then, yeah, when that fell through, I was all the way in Vegas, so then found the new opponent, then he fell through. So it was just a lot of ups and downs, but. Yeah, just sort of stuck to the stuck to my guns. We, had, we were planning on fighting, so I just asked him to get someone in and worked out in the end. But, yeah, there was a lot of ups and downs leading up to it. What's interesting also would have been a crazy week for you because you probably had to go through two way cuts. Uh, tell us how difficult yeah. that was. Yeah, like in the sport you have to make the certain weight limit, so made the weight limit and then to then find out the opponent was out. It's obviously hard. The weight cut, it's not easy dropping that sort of substantial amount of weight in a short amount of time. So, but yeah, unfortunately I had to do it twice in the week, but it was something I was prepared for and it was just something that comes with the job. So yeah. But saying that uh, you did, of course, were part of the co-main event on July 16 and you defeated uh, Basil Hafez uh, in a split decision. Uh, that no doubt was very reassuring for you. Yeah, it was good. It was good to have a battle. I know he was a short-notice opponent, so, yeah, really he had nothing to lose. He came in and had a big opportunity on his hands, so it was a it was a tough fight and, yeah, learned a lot from the fight, but was lucky enough to get the win and on to the next one. So what did you uh, learn from that fight about Jack Della Maddalena? Uh I mean, just knowing that I can face uh, adversity leading into the fight and then still be able to push hard for three rounds and put on a good fight for the, the fans. Mm. Saying that, you had a lot of attention, of course, when you won that bout uh, a little while back. You're in newspapers, you're on social media, you're going to be the next big thing. Did it come as a surprise, all the attention that you were getting? Um, not really. I've always planned to try and climb the ranks and get to the top size. Something I always envisioned and believed I would get here, so not necessarily surprised, but yeah, it's good to see it. I mean, it's, it's cool for it to come around like this, but something I always envisioned in, in my future. I was just going to say, how do you describe the atmosphere when you're won by first round submission over Randy Brown in round one in February at UFC 284? Tell us about uh, what it was like. Yeah, it was a, obviously a pretty big dream to fight in front of my hometown. Something that I thought would happen at some point and to happen so early on in my career was pretty pretty incredible. It was a yeah, walking out in front of the hometown was amazing. Like the support was yeah, it went over and above what I expected. So Yeah. Do you think a, Perth yeah, during, beautiful opportunity? Do you think Perth is the nine maybe to have another UFC event before not too long on the back end of that success? I think so. I really hope so. Um, yeah, hopefully, I really, yeah, I believe I'll fight in the UFC in Perth a couple more times before the career is done, I believe. Tell us about your aspirations. I know you're a confident man. Uh, I know your dad, who's a confident individual as well. No doubt he's been very supportive of yourself. Uh, how important is that support? Yeah, obviously having people around you, supporting you, keeping you on track is a big thing. Keeps the, yeah. Uh, all the support helps, keeps me motivated. But, yeah, I've got big aspirations. I want to try and get to the top of this division and, yeah, become a champion and have a lot of fights under my belt by the time I'm done. Who was the next best big thing, do you think, in Australian MMA uh, to follow yourself? 
There's a lot of. I think Stephen Ersig is another guy from Perth who's already. I think he's crunched his way into the top ten, or he's fighting a top ten guy in the UFC. So another one to keep your eyes out for. Mm. The other thing that's interesting is that uh, you've got involved with a basically do-it-yourself-at-home uh, apparatus called BandFit. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, well, BandFit, it's, just, um, it's an awesome product. It's a small kit, but it has uh, multiple bands. The grips are what's important. They can You can small grip so you can grip onto the band. and you can, the, the amount of work you can do with the, this kit is pretty pretty amazing from like rehab prehab i like to warm up with this so my muscles are like warmed up before i get a hard workout in but for everyday for the everyday people they can do a serious workout and yeah it doesn't take up much room in your car or in your luggage you can really get a workout in wherever you are so it's a product that i yeah i truly believe in i think it can really change people's lives so it's called Band Fit, B-A-N-D Fit. Uh, where is it uh, accessible from if people are interested in having a look at it? Yeah, get onto um, yeah, the Instagram, Band Fit, or the website, band, on, yeah, and get online and get a kit and then start working out and see the benefits for yourself. It's something that I use multiple times a day and awesome product. Yeah, and tell us about UFC uh, as we let you go. How significant is this sport now, not only in Australia but around the world? Yeah, it's a, it's a, I think it's growing in popularity, the sport. Took a bit of time to get up and running because of the, I mean, you can look at it from the outside perspective, it's quite brutal, but I think there's a lot of good things. Respect, discipline, the things that you can take away from the sport, but it's a tough sport. It's a strong competition and yeah it's taking off people that are closest to you family and friends uh i gather a lot of them get a bit nervous when you uh certainly get into the octagon hoping that you'll be okay uh, is that still a concern for people that are closest to you yeah of course it's like watching anyone compete at a, at a high level you're going to have nerves watching you like a close person competing especially when it's a tough sport when you actually are trying to hurt each other but yeah I think that just makes the uh, wins that much better when you can get over the hump. Mm. Good on you Jack well thanks for joining us Uh, we're following your career with enormous interest happy birthday for your 27th birthday you're only 27 you've got so much in front of you by the way before I let you go what is the timeline for maybe a UFC fighter. You're 27 on Sunday. How many years do you think you've got in you? I don't know. I feel pretty good now. Just see how I go. As soon as I, yes, yeah, I feel like the day I wake up, I don't enjoy it anymore. I'll probably mm. hang up the gloves. But I think I've got, I've got at least 10 years in me, I believe, Peter. Good on you, mate. Thanks for joining us. Uh, regards to everybody, and we'll keep in touch. Thanks for your time. Yes, Peter. See ya. Jack Della Madalena, UFC product going places out of... Perth here in Western Australia. Let's get into some uh, sports headlines. Uh, thanks to Irrigear, it's here to save time and water. As we mentioned, Aussie Rinky Hijikata's fairytale run at the US Open is over after he was absolutely crushed by flashy American Francis Tiafo this morning. The unheralded Aussie was blasted off the court in less than two hours. He lost 6-1, 6-1, 6-4. The big news 
is that the world number one and defending champion Igas Vitek has been knocked out of the open by Yelena Ostapenko. The Boomers' World Cup hopes have been crushed, 91-80 by Slovenia. That happened yesterday. The team they beat out for the bronze medal at the Tokyo Olympics. But they're still through, that is the Boomers, into the Paris Olympic Games. That's because New Zealand failed to get out of the group stages. It means that the tickets to Paris for the 2024 Olympics is now confirmed. So even though the World Cup goal fell well short, they can look ahead now to the Olympic Games. A couple of the sporting headlines, all thanks to Irrigia, offering expert advice and better irrigation solutions to save time and water. Irrigia is here. And, of course, Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American footy's biggest game worth over $70,000. Unbelievable. Just shop in store at Beaumont Tiles before November 12 and you're in with a chance to win. TNCs do apply. Thanks for joining us on the program. Fast and varied uh, has been Sports Day WA. All thanks to our friends at the all-electric Kia EV6 GT supercar and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, who have been serving WA for over 45 years. Thanks, Jimmy, and thanks to Asher. I'll catch you tomorrow from five straight after the run home here on SENWA.